We'll start. Um, I know a, actually a bunch of you have read Paradise Lost in various contexts before. So how many people have um, read the whole thing before this class? Uh, um, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was trying to remember, did we read the whole thing? <laughs> we did. Some okay, of so us we did. Did. <laughs> Some of us made sure <laughs> to read the whole thing. Julian did, but he's sick. Um, Hannah did not take 11 for me, so who knows? Um, Steve did, right? <laughs> Every word, huh? Every last I'm word. I'm so yeah. glad. <laughs> what did you teach in 11? Yeah. What, what is it? Um, it's a poem by John Dalton, but that's not important. Now. Um, my son Daniel said um, the other day he was quoting Yeats's The Second Coming. You know that? People know that poem? Round turning and round, yeah. No, Turning, turning and, and Turning. turning. It's, it's, it's the painted pony that goes round and round. Um, it's turning and turning in the widening gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. Go on. The center cannot hold. Yes. And then less chaos. No. But that's not the, the line. The Anyhow, it then goes on. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. So yesterday as we were driving home, um, Daniel goes... He likes that poem a lot, um, and he goes, surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. Beat. No, it's not, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> you see, I like this child. Yes, well, me too. <laughs> I have to say. Um, <laughs> Laurie, I'm so glad you're here and awake. You're awake and look alert. Um, do people know what that's from? He's awake and looks alert? No. Um, back in the days of moos, do you know what a moo is? Do you know what a mud is? What's a mud? The online type thing where it was like before... Before fun. Yeah. yeah. Back in the days when computer games were not fun. <laughs> when interactive multi-user multi, um, games, multi-user role-playing games were eh, meh. Um, but so, so MUD stands for multi-user domain. Um, that's literally what it stands for. And, um, Moo, of which the most famous was the Lambda Moo that, that, that Xerox kept. And I think it still exists, but no one goes there anymore. Um, Moo stands for MUD colon object-oriented. So it's a multi-user domain with object-oriented, um, interactions. Um, and basically what happens in a moo is you get to um, interact with other people in this virtual space, but it's all text-based. It's, um, it's not graphics-based, it's text-based. Um, but you move from room to room and you pick stuff up and you can only carry so many things and you need these objects to um, open doors and, and, um, and people can build their own rooms and so on. It, it, was, it was actually sort of vaguely uninteresting. Um, and... Um, but when someone, um, and you could also look around to see who was in the room with you. And um, when someone was there, the standard apparition would be something um, like, Saposcat is there, he is awake and looks alert. Um, and because sometimes what would happen is you would get disconnected um, on your modem through your phone wire. <laughs> and um, then what would happen is various cleanup clues crews, once, once, the, once the computer site realized that there was a disconnect there, various cleanup 
crews would come and cart the avatar away. Um, but um, if you weren't sure whether the avatar was there or not, you could you could look. And sometimes you had to re-enter a room where you'd just been in, and then you could find yourself there. And it would say, of you, he is awake and looks alert, even though you knew that that was just the shell of what you once were. Um, and there were actually people trying to do a Spencer move. Um, somehow it just didn't race through the world as the most amazing, unlike Dante's Inferno, it didn't race through the world as the most amazing um, RPG ever. Okay. Um, so some of you have read Paradise Lost, some haven't. Um, some of you were supposed to have read Paradise Lost um, and didn't. Um, it's all interesting. Um, so here's the basic uh, thing. What we talked about in Comus on Thursday um, and what we'll be thinking about in Paradise Lost um, are, is the debate which, in Paradise Lost at least, begins as a debate between Satan and God. Um, and the um, main first question to ask about Paradise Lost, um, not the, um, it will possibly, there's going to be a meta question, which is, is this the right question about Paradise Lost? Um, but the question that that meta question addresses, namely the first question you should ask about Paradise Lost, is Satan or God? Whose side are you on? Um, whose side is Milton on? Whose side should one be on? Um, Emily was saying you like Satan. Right? No, I like sin. Oh, you like sin? Yeah, yeah I mean, well, sin. Okay, sin but, uh, oh, you mean in the poem? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, you do? Scary. Why? Say more. Yeah, well, um, I... The most Spencerian figure. Well, I think she's interesting and sort of very tragic because she's just sort of cast down in the general fall, I mm -hmm. think is how she describes it. Yeah. Um, and she's described very similarly... Similarly to Eve, I mm -hmm. think the term attractive grace is used. Nice. Sweet attractive grace for Eve and a yep. attractive grace for Sin. Nice, like good, that. good, So good. she's sort of a double for Eve, but very, I mean, a tragic double. Eve a double, falls as well, yeah. but she's she falls before Eve falls. And, and, and it's not even clear not that she falls. Fault. It's not even clear that she falls. Yeah. Where does she come from? She, she's out of Satan's yeah. yeah, so she's, so there are three so figures Athena. who are, Athena figure. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, no, because more. I was going to say about, you know, how wisdom springs out of the head of God. Yes. And now sin, in a sense, has sprung out of Satan's rebellion towards God. So in a sense, he's, she is his daughter, but then he conceives by her mm -hmm. and brings death mm -hmm. into the world, which she doesn't even know until she introduces him to it. Right. But I think that's it. Okay. But notice then that there are three figures of whom sin is one who um, produce their closest companions, or their, their most important, um, not, excuse me, not sin, uh, of whom Satan is one, who produce their closest companions or their most important interlocutors, let's say, um, out of their own bodies. That is, um, the first we hear of is Satan having a headache and then suddenly sin appearing out of his head. Um, then there is God who sees in his son his perfect image. Um, and then there is, what's the third one? Adam and Eve. That is Eve created out of Adam's <coughs> side. So that story is told three times, or a version of that story is told three times. Um, and the um, uh, 
connection between those three tellings is something that we'll see over and over again in Paradise Lost. That is to say, um, everything that happens in Paradise Lost we get um, happening on at least two and most likely almost everything will happen um, at three different levels. Um, that's a fairly obvious example. Um, that's something that happens among the rebel angels, that is the creation of sin. Something that happens among the heavenly powers, that is the creation of the sun. God saying, this day I have begot whom I declare my only <coughs> son. Um, how did God beget his only son? He created him. He didn't have um, sex. He didn't, do the, didn't go about begetting the way um, humans beget. Um, he simply created his only son, who is his image, his perfect image. Not, by the way, in Milton. Milton is, I'll just say this in passing, but it's something to recall. Milton is an anti-Trinitarian. Milton does not believe um, in the uh, standard doctrine of the Holy Trinity, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are um, three, one God but three persons. Um, so the, um, the way um, Christianity settled um, huge arguments about the nature of God was finally to come up with this idea that there is one God, but God is, um, um, is, a, is there are three persons in the Trinity. Um, and the standard, there's something called the Nicene Ring, which um, gives you this graphically which is there which is God and then there's Father Son Holy Spirit and the there are arrows from all three to God is 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 is. And then there are also <laughs> arrows that go around, and these, they just go all the way around, and they're um, bi-directional like that, and these are is not, is not, is not. So that's the Nicene Ring. That is, the Holy Spirit is God, the Son is God, the Father is God, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Um, and so the, this, this doesn't work with our normal fallen logic, um, but this is the settled Catholic doctrine. Um, the settled doctrine of the Trinity is three persons... Each of them is one, is the one God, but the three persons are separate. There are lots of different heresies, one of which is um, the heresy that the Father and the Son are the same, that all three persons of the Trinity are each other, and so that um, when um, the Son of God became Jesus, so did the Father. Um, that is, that God descended in his entirety. Milton's view which is heretical, and which he was very careful about expressing, but which is consistent with Paradise Lost. Milton's view is that the only real God is God the Father, and that the Son and the Holy Spirit are, um, the Son is the first of all created beings, that is, the figure whom God 
um, created perfect and utterly without sin and without any hint of sin. Um, and the Holy Spirit is really a metaphor um, for um, God's um, effectiveness on earth. Um, that is heretical not only for Catholic doctrine, although the doctrine, um, it is an old heresy in Catholicism. Um, I think Laura is actually teaching a course next year on the history of heresy, which is a really interesting course. Um, but it's, it's um, not only heretical in Catholic, it's not only heretical in Protestant doctrine, it's heretical in Catholic. Um, Protestant doctrine, there are as many different Protestant doctrines as there are churches. Um, and nevertheless, Calvin, um, shortly before Milton is writing, um, and, and shortly before Milton is born, people are still being burnt at the stake for being unsound on the Trinity. Um, and so Milton does have to be careful. And he wrote a book about his theological views um, called On Christian Doctrine. Um, that book wasn't published until 150 years after his death um, because it was so explosive. Um, and then it wasn't translated. He wrote it in Latin. Um, it wasn't translated for some time after that either. Um, but we know what his views actually explicitly were from what he says in On Christian Doctrine. Um, and um, this is the heresy known as the Arian heresy, um, the assertion that there is only one God and, that, and that, that that's God the Father. It's a highly monotheistic view of things that Milton has. Um, he also believes, contrary to Catholic doctrine, as you'll see, he believes in free will. Um, that's something that God is extremely clear about, um, even if uh, somewhat gnomic, but extremely clear about in Book 3 of Paradise Lost, um, that will is free, that without free will, there can be no such thing as goodness. Foreknowledge doesn't preclude free will. Right. And that's, um, and that's something that the rebel angels have trouble with. That is, the rebel angels um, uh, try to while away and distract themselves from the hideous and unrelenting torments of fire and pain in hell by going and talking about philosophy. And what they do is they debate fixed fate, free will, foreknowledge absolute. They try to reconcile those <coughs> things to each other. And the narrator Paradise Lost says, and they go wandering in mazy errors lost. Um, so that very idea in book one of Paradise Lost is like book one of The Fairy Queen. Um, that is to, excuse me, book two of Paradise Lost is like book one of The Fairy Queen. That is to say, um, mazy error is the first thing that we see happening in hell, just like Error's Den in book one of The Fairy Queen. But God will later give his doctrine of free will in book three, and his doctrine is that foreknowledge doesn't have an influence on what, his, what is foreknown. Um, and if this is confusing to people, and a lot of people are confused um, about the issue at first, if the future is already settled, that is, if God knows the future, if you know what the future is, if you can look into the future, what that seems to mean is that you don't have free will because on some, in some sense it's already a done deal. Um, so how can you be said to have free will if what's going to happen is already predetermined? 
And um, I think the best way to understand this is to notice that if you believe in free will, how many people do? Um, how many people don't? If you don't believe in free will, raise your hand <laughs> now. No, seriously, how many people don't believe in free will? And some of you are abstaining. Um, if you believe in free will, and as a practical matter, everyone does, um, it may be that when you're having a philosophical argument, you will argue, you'll find some reason to argue against it. Um, but as a pra if you didn't believe in free will, you'd never get angry at anyone. Um, because you'd never think, you'd say to yourself, oh, well, the reason that um, asshole cut me off um, as I was trying to get to that parking spot was um, that was what the physics and chemistry and biochemistry of the universe required. Um, wasn't his fault. Um, he had no free will. None of us do. And then you wouldn't be angry. And yet, very few people actually have that attitude towards things. So in it's, as a practical matter, we believe in free will all the time. We get angry at ourselves and at others for um, things that we think they could have chosen not to do that, um, that ridiculous thing, or we could have chosen um, not to do that thing, but we just went ahead and did it. And um, So really everyone believes in free will um, in their action. Everyone displays a belief in free will. Um, so if you believe in free will, um, that seems to mean that you believe that the future is something that you can change, that the future isn't set. And so the problem is God knows the future, and that seems to indicate that the future is set, and that it was true from the beginning of time that that asshole was going to cut you off when you were looking for the parking space. It's not something that just happened now. It's something that was inscribed in the roles of time um, at the moment of the Big Bang. Um, so how can you get upset? It's like you're getting angry at the Big Bang. Um, but we don't think that way. But however, if the future can't be changed, then it feels like, well, there is no free will. Um, at least some people think that way. Um, now, the best way, I think, to understand free will is to think that God knows the future in the same way that we know the past. That is to say, God essentially can remember the future in the same way that we can remember the past. Um, to put it more formally or more explicitly, God is outside of time um, for Milton and for Augustine, from whom he's getting these ideas. Um, God is not a figure um, to whom stuff happens as time goes on, um, but God looks at the world from a perspective which, in terms of free will, it's easiest to think of as after it's all over. God is remembering everything that ever happened because God um, exists after time ends. That's the existence of God. Um, he exists before time begins as well because he exists outside <coughs> of time. But if you just think of it in, for the purpose of free will as, as God existing after time ends, then everything that happens in time, he knows because he knows it as memory. He knows it as stuff that has happened. For him, it all has happened already. The fact that it all has happened, however, means nothing to free will any more than the fact 
that you chose um, not to come to class last Wednesday and did choose to come to class Thursday but had a cigarette before class um, would indicate that that wasn't a choice either. That's all done. You can't change that past. Um, it's impossible to change the past, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't done freely. The fact that you can't change it just means that what you choose stays chosen. What you choose and what you do stays done. You chose to do it, but then it stays done. So God knows um, because he remembers the future. He knows what every free agent has chosen and has done but I'm using the word has here now now to apply to the future, not to the not now to apply to the future, not to the past. God knows what everyone has chosen and has done. But as he puts it, my foreknowing had no influence on their fault if I foreknew. Foreknowing is the same thing as knowing what happened in the past. You would never say of the past, um, Hitler had no choice because look, it's all done. Um, he killed all those people, and therefore he had no choice because that can't be changed. Um, well, it could have been changed when the moment was right, um, and the same is true of the future. It could be changed when the moment is right, um, but God remembers what we will have done, and that's um, the doctrine of free will that Milton agrees with. Um, that is, that foreknowledge doesn't influence the will. Um, except perhaps for God himself. There's an interesting argument to be made um, in Paradise Lost. Interesting and probably true that there's only one figure in all of Paradise Lost who doesn't have free will, and that's God. Um, that because God does know the future, and God is outside of time, which means he can take no actions within time that aren't and haven't already, always already, from his point of view, already been taken. But that's not a problem for God because, um, again, according to this idea, God would always do what's good. And therefore, if you always do what's right, you don't have free will. If you automatically do what's right, you don't have free will either. Um, Vino, you were going to say something? I, I was going to ask you a sort of arbitrary question, which is somewhat related. How then does he justify, because I've never read the On Christian Doctrine. Um, well, you got to read it half. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna happen. Add it, add it, add it. <laughs> um, how add do you anybody. reconcile something like Jonah, where a prophecy is given to Jonah expressly to change the behavior of the people to whom it's given? Yeah. Yeah. No, but you can always change behavior. But the non-interference. It's the Christmas Carol too. The foreknowing of non-interference. That is interference. No, no, no. It's not. It's like interference to change things. No, interference to change things is um, so the those who don't believe in free will, of whom Luther is the um, Lafons and origin in um, in Protestant doctrine. I mean, it's a debate that goes way, 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 way back. Mm -hmm. But the general Protestant doctrine in the 17th century is Calvinist. And the Calvinist doctrine is there is no such thing as free will. That's Anglican doctrine. Um, that's Lutheran. That's Calvinist. It's um, all messed about with in Dr. Faustus. Yes, yeah. Um, in the 